Welcome to the MBG Podcast. Let's fire everybody. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 64 of the Message Board Geniuses Podcast. This is Who's. I got Casey and MBG. Joy's on the DL this week, so we hope she's feeling better soon. Just the three of us starting off. We're recording this on February 27th, so March Madness is quickly sneaking up on us. It's one of my favorite times of the year, you guys. And I was wondering, what do you all look forward to more, March Madness or opening weekend of college football season? That's a tough question because we're right in the heat of March. So there's a little recency bias there, but traditionally I've always preferred March or yeah, the end of college basketball season to the beginning of college football season. That may partly have to do with the fact that Utah State's traditionally been better at basketball than they have been football. So there's been a lot more to look forward to, but uh, I love both of them. Um, But I would say March. Uh, I prefer March to September, I think. That's yeah, I think there's like a sense of relief when September rolls around. I think it's like, okay, mm-hmm. now it's back to normalcy. But the excitement of March Madness, the, that Thursday, Friday, and now it, it even bleeds backwards into Tuesday. That uh, At the beginning, it was like, oh, these extra teams, I'm not going to watch these games. Now I'm, I'm glued to the TV on Tuesdays. But th- that Thursday, Friday, there's nothing better than that. And the fact that it's three weeks or two weeks, whatever it is, two full weeks, and that's all there is, like at least with football, you have – 12 13 weeks to go you know it kind of bleeds out it's it's go 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 once march madness hits and once those conference tournament hits and, and I, there's nothing better in my mind when all the games are going at once i mean i'm the same way march madness is just so much fun and i, I mean listen I, I question often why i name my account who's football because i played basketball growing up i coached some high school basketball I've never played organized football before. So I don't even remember why I went with who's football, but I, I love basketball season. You know, March has not been that great for my guys in the last, the last few years. Yours. <laughs> there have been some ugly games, but it listen, it's just, there's nothing better, like KC and MBG said, that opening weekend when there are like a million games going on at once. The other thing, one of my buddies from law school started, I think it was the second weekend that Saturday, second weekend of the tournament, he started this thing with his friends when he was in high school and they did it for like 10 or 15 years where they would get together and try and do a triple double. And it was to do during the course of those games, 10 corn dogs, 10 beers and 10 servings of 10 tater tots. So a hundred tater tots during, during those games, which I tried to do one time and I think I got through like four corn. I did the beer. The beer was fine, but we got through like four <laughs> corn dogs and maybe like 20 tater tots. And I, I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. So if anyone's looking for a challenge, I think it's actually, it was on the internet for a while. It was National Corn Dog Day was the website. So that, that was one of my favorite things about the tournament every year as well. The triple double. Yeah, no, I, I'm not getting through a corn dog. I, don't, I, I love corn the corn dogs. I'm not yeah. eating 10 of them. Yeah. <laughs> A hundred tater tots is also a lot more tater tots than you would think. Like, oh, it's a lot of carbs you're putting in. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah, it's you're not going to be so good. <laughs> Has any one of your buddies completed that? 
I think so. This is a buddy of mine from law school. I think he said that they had a guy who did it more than once. That's um, impressive. Yeah. Every, you know, I think most friend groups had that one guy you think might be able to do it, but yeah, that, the beer is the only part of that that I could handle. And that was, listen, at that, you know, at my age now, I probably couldn't even do that part. So is that what Ice Cube was talking about when he said messed around and got a triple double? <laughs> yeah. He's a big corn dog guy. Yeah. <laughs> I figured. I figured that's what he's talking about. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So thought we kick things off this week. Once again, with our mailbag question, this week's question comes to us from friend of the podcast at Chancy John, who asks, it's the night before your exam and you haven't studied. What was your go-to for pulling the all-nighter in college? Casey, did you ever pull an all-nighter? Oh, yeah. John Chancy, though, he's broken the code, hasn't he? He gets in quite often. And even though I usually have some smart, always jokey comment in here, sincerely, we appreciate all the questions we get. And keep them coming. Yours will get on someday, too. But, yeah, how about how about Chancy, guys? He's yeah. in here. He's in. We got a few people who have cracked the code. He's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Unfortunately, John, this isn't foreign to me. There's a reason I went to Clemson for five years, including every summer session, and I'm not a doctor. It's not only it's not because I studied for tests all the time. Statute of limitations is up on this one, Mom. I'm sorry. Okay. Truth be told, one of my roommates was a football player, an offensive lineman, to be precise, from Conyers, Georgia. That part doesn't matter. He made sweet tea the southern way. What is that, you ask? With about five pounds of sugar or thereabouts. He'd boil the tea and mix the sugar. The stuff was awesome, but it was so potent, it would literally make me like bounce off the walls and keep me up for hours. 32 ounces of Jody's sweet tea, and don't laugh at me, MBG, and Kenny G's greatest hits on in the background <laughs> to mellow my brain, and I'd be ready for that Western Sib test that I took for the third successive semester. Appreciate the question. <laughs> I miss that sweet tea and Kenny G. But not Western Civ, I'm guessing. No, no. <laughs> Three semesters. There's only so many times you can drop a class, too. I just want you guys to know that. I know it probably. <laughs> all right, MBG, uh, what about you? Did you ever have to pull an all-nighter? Well, first off, you guys know this. I ain't no nerd, and I ain't never been no nerd. Um, I didn't study... I didn't need to study. If I hadn't read, I wasn't about to do it the night before the test. So, no, I didn't ever – I never pulled an all-nighter because I never felt the need to pull an all-nighter. I just lived with what was in my brain. Most of the time I died, but um, I somehow survived it. But It worked out okay for you. Right. No, so I never really pulled an all-nighter for tests. The only times I would pull an all-nighter is sometimes we would drive to a town – just over the Utah-Nevada border called Wendover and go to the casinos. Those would really be the only times. This is about a four-hour drive from uh, Utah State. So those are about the only times I pulled an all-nighter, but it wasn't for studying. It was just to maybe hit a little blackjack at the casino overnight and then get back for the next day. But but I ain't no nerd, guys. <laughs> well, I'm going to sound like a giant loser <laughs> because – I can tell you, so I got diagnosed with ADD in my 30s, and part of what triggered it was I was talking to my doctor, and I don't remember how this came up, but we are asking me something about law school, and I said, well, I was just in law school, I wouldn't learn anything in class. Like, none of the information got in, and it wasn't until I was completely panicked studying for the test when I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to fail, that all I could 
basically learn the whole class like the night before. So literally every exam I had in law school, it was a cigarette and Mountain Dew fueled all nighter <laughs> as I panic studied, trying to cram an entire semester of work into my head. So that was my sweet tea and Kenny G, Casey. It was Marlboro Light and Mountain Dew. <laughs> I swear I would have it. It's up, I forget where I was this past weekend, but we were somewhere, and literally they were playing the Kenny G album, and I'm like, it brought back memories. I wanted a sweet tea all of a sudden. Here's what's even worse about that, Casey, is back in your day, I'm guessing you either had to go out and buy the Kenny G CD or tape, so you actually made a conscious decision to go out and say, hey, I need to buy a Kenny G CD so I can go home and listen to it. It, under just, normal circumstances, I would say you're absolutely correct, except I was not I, like I am a pen thief now. I was at conferences and I literally steal, I say steal pens, but I go table to table and take pens. Like, I, I don't know. Back then, I was a CD thief. I used to steal <laughs> CDs. So, yes, to answer your question, I didn't buy it, but I definitely had to take it actively from somebody. So, so you were at someone's house and you said, gee, this Kenny G CD looks like something I'd like. I yeah, love that. the idea of a drunken Casey walking <laughs> by somebody's CDs at a party and go, yep, I'm taking that Kenny G. <laughs> yeah, normally at parties we were playing like, you know, Beastie Boys or, or somebody, you know, to get the crowd moving and shaking and stuff. Kenny G, I don't think, made the rotation many places, but yeah, that one was in the like the little case, you know, that everybody yeah, had where you could slide the CD yeah. case. Yeah, <laughs> I had so many CDs in like with different people's names because you wrote your name on it too when right. you were in college, so that no one stole it. That people would come <laughs> over to my house and see their names on on my <laughs> CDs and my sleep book. I didn't even hide it. God, <laughs> rest in peace, Kenny G. <laughs> Wait, is Kenny G dead? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was getting ready to Google it. I was like, oh, I missed that one. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to our next segment, Genius of the Week. As always, each of us is going to nominate a player, coach, team, conference. Someone who did something dumb in the last week. We'll put it to a Twitter vote and see who wins. For our last vote, Casey, your nominee, Chip Kelly, won with 46% of the vote. Followed by my nominee, Kyle Shanahan, with 26%. Joy's nominee, Saturday Down South, came in third with 22%. And MBG's nominee, Jason Schof, came in fourth with 6%. So, that, Casey, that's two in a row, I believe. Wow. Yeah. So I'm in the lead with 22 wins. Joy has 13. Casey has 12. Courtney has one. MBG, you are still on zero. You're now 0-48, MBG, for reference. I got a good one this week. In September of 2019, the Kansas Jayhawks ended an 11-year, 48-game road losing streak against P5 opponents, knocking off Boston College 48-24. to After the game, head coach Les Miles said, quote, I think the coaching staff did a great job. Those things are going to happen much more regularly with our program at a great school like Kansas. Les Miles went on to lose 17 of his next 18 games, and was fired the following season. So, MBG, oh, once again, you're in fine company. Hey, anytime you can be mentioned in the same sense as Les Miles, you should feel good about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Casey, who are you going with this week? 
I'll be honest. I chose my genius of the week because Joy isn't here. Stop me if you've heard this before. Duke complaining about something basketball related. I also understand that I may be in the minority here, but my distaste for Duke basketball knows no bounds. So my genius of the week is Kyle Flopikowski. I mean, Filipowski, which also may trickle down to head coach, whatever his name is, Shire, rhymes with prior. Coincidence? I think not. Uh, I don't even like saying their names, but Wake Forest beats Duke the, over the weekend, and the students got really excited and started storming the court, which is something that happens when a ranked team loses on the road. It's almost accepted at this point. Nope, not Kyle Filipowski, whatever, Filipowski. He started slowly meandering towards the locker room when an overzealous Wake Forest fan started running to the logo. Filipowski completely initiated the contact with fellow nerd and apparently twisted his ankle in the process. He then complained in his post-game interview, as did his head coach. He was listed as day-to-day after the game. Dude isn't even hurt. They're completely insufferable, almost as much as my long-winded answers to everything. So for making a mountain out of a molehill, in my opinion, and then doubling down by limping off the court crying, Kyle Flopikowski is my genius of the week. Yeah, I I was initially siding with Duke on that thing, and Filipowski, like I, it looked like Filipowski kind of initiated the contact, but if you got a bunch of kids out running on the floor, I don't blame him. Um, Maybe you're protecting yourself. Like I get that piece. Right. And they were coming down fast and, you know, a, a bunch of them, but it did look like he kind of embellished uh, significantly there on the, on the injury, uh, which made me lose some, some sympathy for him. But, uh, but it does highlight the fact that, uh, it could be a little bit dangerous. I wouldn't go as far as Jay Billis and say that the kids need to be put in jail. But... That was my favorite. It was so <laughs> insane. It was just unhinged. <laughs> Isn't well, my, it? My thing, my yeah. thing too, is we, we were actually recording the show. It's one of the shows that I didn't talk as much because I was watching Clemson play Duke. Duke stormed the field that day. Yes. Yes, <laughs> and that they stadium was packed. Against you guys at this past season, they had football. no. But but God forbid it happens to them. Clutch your pearls, Duke. Clutch your pearls. That was my the irony of that. I thought was just fantastic that these Duke fans are up in arms about. And look, like I don't want anybody to get hurt. Even Duke players, hundred percent like, happen. But they literally did the same thing to you guys in football, like with way more people probably because it was a football game. So, yeah, save me your tears. Jay Billis is an idiot. Like, the whole, like, arrest. So, yeah, why don't we execute him? Like, just, like, what the hell up? And, by the way, Filipowski didn't even have an MRI. He's fine. He's going to play. He's He's not hurt. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, that's what I mean. Initially, when I thought he was maybe injured, I thought, okay, maybe there's something to this. But then my sympathy uh, dissipated uh, quickly when yeah. I realized that the injury was uh, not nearly as severe as they initially thought. <laughs> How many times in the history of basketball have there been court storms and there have been no issues? Well, that Hundreds and also thousands. Duke fans, I mean, this has bothered me for years. Like, they don't, they don't want any part of anyone out on the court, right? Well, what do they do every time an opposing player is inbounding the ball, like on the sideline or on the inline? They're all reaching their hands out, right? And they're like, two inches away from the person inbounding the ball, which I know is not the same thing, but I don't know. They just, they, they make me insane. So yeah, I'm fully on board. I hope Casey wins this week. No, <laughs> no offense, MVG. Well, he's not going to win. I can tell you that. I know who's, I know who's not going to win. And that's joy. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, MBG, who do you have this week? Well, this week I've got a fine young lady out of Florida, believe it or not. Her name is Arielle Mashan Lakire, I think. She's 25 years old. Um, I know you guys are married, so I won't introduce you, um, but she seems like quite a catch. But she was arrested at around 3.30 a.m. Officers stopped her and her 22-year-old friend, Michael Clemens, for running a stop sign in Punta Gorda, Florida. The two suspects told officers that they had been trying to collect snakes and frogs from underneath an overpass earlier that night. Logical. Police searched the vehicle, and they found inside the car 41 turtles, which just happened to be held in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles backpack. Um, that, find, yeah, that finding led the officers to ask Michonne Lakire if she had anything else hiding in the car. At that point, she proceeded to pull a foot-long alligator out of her yoga pants, according to the Miami Herald. <laughs> This needs to win. <laughs> so that prompted officers to charge her with possessing an American alligator, possessing more than one turtle per day, transporting more than one turtle or turtle eggs, and possessing a soft turtle, a soft shell turtle, all of which are crimes in the state of Florida. So for trying to smuggle a foot long alligator in her yoga pants, Ariel Michonne Lakire. Is my genius of the week. So it raises the question, which poses more of a danger to society, an alligator in your yoga pants or a crack bear? Because, you know. One, two. They're one, one, one and one A. I think crack uh, is the operative word that, that probably fits both. <laughs> I've wondered if people have seen her and said, hey, is that an alligator in your pants? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to Google her after the show's over, MBG, because she'd be quite a catch. I mean, it seems like it would be obvious if somebody had an alligator in their pants, but, you know, maybe not. Apparently not, because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if she would ever even got caught if she hadn't just willingly and voluntarily pulled it out of her pants. But look, that's that's my advice to all you criminals out there. If you got an alligator in your pants, make the cop get a warrant. Make the officer get a warrant. Do not don't just voluntarily it. pull it out of your pants. Yeah, don't pull it out. <laughs> advice as a criminal defense attorney. Don't pull the alligator out of your pants. Nope. Get representation. Seems self-explanatory, but it does. It does. You don't have to go, even go to law school for that. Maybe it's just common sense. All right, so my, my genius of the week, it's a group of people. It's the guys who tried to fight Cam Newton. For anyone who didn't see it, Cam was at some kind of seven-on-seven seven camp over the weekend when he was jumped by several guys. Um, the video is super chaotic, so it's hard to tell exactly what happened or, frankly, how many guys were involved. But what's clear is that Cam was just slinging fools all over the place, just throwing – you see guys just flying off the screen – the best part of the video by far, though, is that while Cam was bodying these guys left and right, his Harry Potter sorting hat remained perfectly in place <laughs> the entire video. Like it literally just was perfectly perched on top of his head. So for challenging a physical mutant, Cam is like 6'5", 250, right? Like for challenging a friggin' mutant and getting embarrassed in front of the entire internet, the Cam Newton jumpers are my genius of the week. 
That's a good one. We had three not good only, ones this week. It's not only his size, but I mean, he's wearing a witch's hat. <laughs> <laughs> like, who messes with that, right? Yeah. I, but I, I seriously, I couldn't tell how many guys it was. It was between three and six. <laughs> I just, all I know is in the two, there are two different views that I saw. You just see guys running at him and then flying off the screen. Bouncing off. (laughs) He's got one in like a headlock with one hand. He's just kind of dragging the other one along with the other hand. Dragging him him by his hair on the ground. I want to know what started that. Because they were at like a Cam Newton sponsored seven on seven tournament. So like did he make a bad call or something? People love to talk to Cam Newton for some reason. There's a video I just saw today of him at camps where like kids are talking trash to him. Like it's crazy. I don't know what it is about him, but people love to try and take him down. I just, I don't know, man. It just seems like a bad idea. That dude used to truck like 325 pound defensive lineman, you know, like. He seems like a pretty mellow dude too. Yeah. He seems like he's kind of minds his own business. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't cause a lot of problems, but obviously something was going on there. Yeah, but I mean, he barely even took a step back. You just saw him like standing in one place and guys just like flying left and right. It was awesome. That was great. All right. So before we move on to our next segment, we're going to give a quick shout out to CFB Home for sponsoring the MBG podcast. You can find them on Twitter at CFB Home and online at fifthquarter.net. Also, we're doing a couple of cross promotions with other podcasts again this week. The first is with the Sickos Committee podcast. They had a new show drop today, actually, titled In Space, No One Can Hear You Midnight Yell, where they discuss classic Sicko's content, including, (laughs) yeah, it was a great title, including Georgia State's new head coach, UCLA's new offensive coordinator, Space Hummus, Mitch Drink and Bartending Takes, and much more. We're also doing a cross-promotion with the Slander You podcast. They had a new episode drop last week titled Don't Be a Cheryl, where they discussed all things women's college hoops, the importance of trash talk, and much more. We love both those shows, so check them out. Okay, y'all, we're debuting a new segment this week. We're calling it Friend of the Podcast. Every few weeks, one of us is going to invite a real-life or Twitter friend to join us on the show and dive into the message board madness with us. Casey, as always, you volunteered to go first, so who did you invite to hang out with us tonight? Yeah, I got a, a dear friend and actually a semi pseudo fame. What is the, what's the word? Pseudo famous, infamous? I don't know what it is. But tonight we're introducing Lawrence freaking Skip freaking Long. <laughs> Lawrence Long, some of you out there might know, he was the stay at home uncle on Jeopardy. And Skip, I, I have to call you Skip. I'm sorry. But yeah. you were a th- three time, three time, three time champion at Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And then. You know what? Screw it. I'm going right into my question. You know the game. You've been on the, or you've heard the show before. You've had all your people on. I'm going right into my question, and it'll do a little bit more of an introduction. Welcome to the show, friend. This has been a long time coming, and as I've been trying to get MBG on the Jeopardy message boards that I know you told me exist somewhere out there in the ether, so <laughs> I can't wait to hear about that if I ever let you talk. Uh, but thanks for coming on with us. This is really exciting for me personally. For those living under a rock and don't know who Lawrence Long is, first and foremost, a Clemson alum and big-time Clemson sports fan. Sorry, who's your outnumbered tonight? Next, Skip Long, as I know him, was a three-day champion on Jeopardy, introduced as stay-at-home uncle, which was hilarious to those that know you, albeit true, as we know you have a great <laughs> relationship with your niece. We had an episode one time, Skip, called Ken Jennings, and people... Mm-hmm. 
was actually on the show. Spoiler alert, he wasn't. Uh, but back to you, Skip, who's not Ken Jennings, but better. Both both were on Jeopardy and both won. Why am I so long-winded all the time? <laughs> Let me answer that, MBG. Uh, I had a babysitter once who made it onto Jeopardy but looked like a deer in headlights in the presence of Alex Trebek. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I can't do the Lawrence thing anymore. But when Skip told the group of us that he was going to be on, he was coy about his performance, which I can relate to because I'm always coy about my performance too, but it usually involves my wife. My digressions <laughs> are crazy tonight. All right, knowing how smart you are, I thought you'd have a chance. But wow, you didn't just have a chance. You won three times. Not only that, they had a tournament. And I know this is going to open up some old wounds, and I'm sorry, but if Skip had just said Rainier rather than King Rainier, he'd probably still be answering answers in the form of a question. That's really confusing to me. But um, thanks again for coming on with us. I feel like our audience is in for a real treat tonight, but because we're friends, I may be slightly biased. Uh, all that word salad brings me to my question. Who's your favorite all-time Clemson Tiger basketball player, and why is it Woni, the weapon, Mohammed? Um, first of all, thank you. <laughs> uh, it's great to be here. I do remember the Ken Jennings episode, and I think about it a lot because I just think about the BYU celebrities on the <laughs> sidelines. And, you know, Ken Jennings is not a bad option, but I just don't know, like, how many recruits you're going to hit with that. You might hit you might hit moms, you might hit grandparents, you might hit Jeopardy fans, but is that really, like, the pipeline that you want to build a dominant force? Is What's Ken Jennings, you know, What's what's Ken Jennings' Q factor like in Samoa, where you're you're pulling all the linemen from? Um, my favorite Clemson basketball player. So I actually don't go so much by, um, you know, Mohammed Wony is great, and not to turn this into the Sickos Committee podcast about Clemson basketball, which I'm sure Casey and I could get into. Shout out to the Sickos Committee, by the way. Um, Friends I of gave the show. Them recommend, yep. Yeah, I gave them a recommendation. The commission recommendation on places to visit in Las Cruces, New Mexico. So <laughs> they took a trip out there. And I'm, I'm very, very excited about the um, the quarterback, Diego Pavia, going to Vanderbilt. Oh, mm. that's going to be such a clash. That's whose guy? Yeah, yeah, he was the amazing. genius of the week one week. That's right. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like if he wants to urinate on any um, – if he wants to urinate on the field – and say if, if Vanderbilt travels to Columbia and he urinates on the field at Williams Bryce Stadium, he's not going to do any damage to it. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, it's at the state fairground. It's, it's you know, anyway. Um, Mohamed Woni is a great Clemson basketball player. He might not be my favorite. I mean, I played pickup basketball in Fike, and it used to be like in the Larry Shiat era, there were a bunch yeah. of like, Clemson basketball players that would um, play pickup games. I was actually on a team. So my nickname when I played at Fike was <laughs> White Rodman, uh, which will tell you everything you need to know about my playing style. Um, I didn't have the That's the guy everybody the, hates at pickup ball is the White Rodman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was actually on a team one time in the Larry Shiat era. There were three, we had a team of everybody was under 6'2. And we played against a team with three varsity players from Larry Shiat's era. I can name names. Uh, Statue Please of Limitations. Do. Ray Henderson, who is 6'8". Pasha Baines, who was uh, a transfer from Wyoming. And Ed Scott, who went on to become – he was not at the time an All-ACC player, but he went on to become a first-team All-ACC player. And the five of us, six, like everybody under 6'2", ran them off the court. 
Um, wow. Which, you know. Like, you were in Pasha's shorts the whole night. Yeah, I mean, Pasha was... <laughs> Pasha, I mean, you know. It's not Pasha Baines. Let me put it this way. The best player I ever saw at Pike was a guy that walked onto the Clemson team but didn't play much. His name was Jermel Douglas. Uh, so shout That's out to him. That's why we have you he's on. From, he's from Rock Hill. Uh, but yeah, there used to be like Greg Buckner would show up, like spent a few years in the NBA. I was a big Chris Whitney guy. Now he predated me, but Chris Whitney, the three point sharpshooter, you know, back from the Cliff Ellis days. Man, I just want to say, I can see why that. you two are friends. Cause your question <laughs> exactly mirrored Casey or your answer exactly mirrored Casey's questions. So. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't talked to Skip in a while, so we're really catching awesome. up. No, it was awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, Joy's not here, so I'm going to fill in for Joy. And in true Joy fashion, I need to narrow my question to focus on Texas A&M. Hmm. And I, I believe <laughs> now Jimbo Fisher's gone, so we can't really talk about Jimbo Fisher. But I understand that you have a tie with Mike Elko. I do. Um, Mike Elko, one-time defensive coordinator at Wake Forest University prior to going to Notre Dame. Uh, my niece was in a Girl Scout troop with his daughter. And by like my sister like had, I was not like specifically involved in the Girl Scout portion of the, the parenting, but my sister like had direct <laughs> relations with Mrs. Elko and the daughter. And they're all lovely. Like, you know, Joy should take some, like, I, I don't know if Joy's loathing of texas a&m is more jimbo specific we don't know he's texas a&m like but this it is a good, very like, broad based i would say yeah like from from my sister like the elkos are thoroughly like chill cool people now you know that's my sister she's not my sister's not into like football uh, she did go to vet school at georgia but uh, you know <laughs> the new coach at, at uh, texas a&m they're getting they're getting somebody that glad we don't have to play him at Duke anymore. That's oh, I was super glad to see him leave the ACC. Yeah, I, I need yeah. Duke to go back to being Duke in football. All right. So my question to you is, as you know, SEC football fans look down on other conferences and consider every other conference to be an inferior brand of football. So I was wondering if there's a similar dynamic when Jeopardy champions like yourself are watching Celebrity Jeopardy. If you're if you're looking at that thinking, oh, this is you know, this isn't even the same sport that I was playing when I was out there. Um, for me personally, no. And for part of this too, like I spent some time in Chicago and was around I/O, so I'm like maybe one or two degrees away from Ike Barinholtz, like in terms of people that we know. I was. You know, had I been like not focused on nursing school, I would have actively campaigned to coach Ike Barinholtz. Like, had I known that, you know, I knew that he was going into the the tournament of champions. So, but I was like, I could I could teach him, I could teach him. That being said, Celebrity Jeopardy very much is a different game, and I think that there is a tendency for people that go on the show to, you know, get maybe like any time that you're on Jeopardy and you know the answer that doesn't that like the people on the show don't know you you flash back to the period of time where you were like in the spotlight so it, it, it's always a risk um oh the other person in celebrity jeopardy i'm like relatively close to is katie nolan who you know is well, that's what's fantastic. My question. Yeah, yeah she did awesome it was really fun she did watch. awesome like probably could do great at jeopardy as well 
Like it, yes, Celebrity Jeopardy is a is a different game, but it's you know, it's uh, like it's designed for a broader audience, and you know, it's designed like, do you really want to watch celebrities struggle with tough questions right. as much as you want to watch nerds struggle with tough questions? I mean, I struggle and, with the Celebrity Jeopardy questions, so I'm... <laughs> I struggle with kids' trivial pursuits. So right. we're, we're... The high school, the high school versions, right? All right, MBG. What do you have? All right. So we've got you here on the Message Board Geniuses podcast. So we've got to ask you the question we ask everybody, and that is what message boards do you post on and what's your handle? Okay. Um, I So like earnestly, I was a Tiger Net poster for like the mid to like the Tommy Bowden era. I like I didn't do anything like I was not like trolling people. I was probably like participating in like bowl challenges and stuff like that. Um, I, you know, I, I wasn't a big like tiger netter person there. Um, for the subversive stuff, I think that I, I used to go onto the state, uh, the, the newspaper in Columbia, and they had like, I don't know if it was discus or not, but it was like a comment section that you could um, you could go in and and all you had to do was like register a name and I remember that I registered a name and I, and this is you know this is Lou Holtz Tommy Bowden era Clemson stuff <laughs> I used to get into arguments with people there and I would drop in that I was like a Mossad agent or something like that and that like gave me some sort of tactical background which just caused everybody to like get mad at me um, I'm not actually an agent of the Mossad. That I'm willing to announce. I don't even it. know what that is, but it's Isra Israeli Secret Service. Come on. Oh, okay. You know, tactical like expertise. Along, Casey. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh. So, anytime you can get into the message boards and and hint that you that you have some sort of like special forces operator knowledge, that's always a good move. Um, yeah. Like so, I I think that from there. I went, I, I learned to cover my tracks appropriately. So like, I, I, I kind of like had some Twitter stuff that was going on. Like I did get blocked by a fairly difficult block, which, you know, I know this is not, we're not trying to get political, but um, I got blocked by Clay Travis and he's very hard to get blocked by. Um, but it took, it took years. Well, I had to like, yeah, I had to assume struggle. various personalities. In order to get it, and it, and like actually, the block came in a way where I was like, I wasn't even in doing like a character. I was just saying stupid stuff. <laughs> What's your favorite message board guy? There's always these different types of message board guys. What's your, what's your favorite type of message board guy you like? I really like the high level prestige guys, the guys that are like, come in and want to give a sermon, and like treat it like they obviously like have some sort of like notes app that they they compose their thoughts on. And you know, this is for like, oh, it's, I'm watching a Clemson game against Louisiana Tech and these are my, you know, important thoughts. And it's for a very small audience, but done with such importance and gravitas. That's, you know, those are my favorites. Um, not to name names specifically, but anybody that like treats it as if it is, you know, the, any anytime you have a community and you have the vestigial, uh, the vestigial facade of importance within that community. I always am attracted to those people, just because I, you know, not to make fun of them or anything, but just to like understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah. 
Recently, I have a new favorite guy, and that's open letter guy. I've seen a lot of those open letter, <laughs> open letter to the AD, open letter to recruits, open letter yeah. to the coach. That's just my new favorite guy. The ADs are definitely reading them. <laughs> I will say there are a couple athletic directors that follow the account, so okay, they they might, they might. I don't know. But my my second favorite guy is the I have a source guy. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Those are those are always good material. So I want to read to you a post okay. from I have a, have a source guy. And I think in terms of you know if we if we were to rate sources, this guy's source is pretty high level. I think, and this comes from <laughs> a Pittsburgh message board, and the poster is uh, Ski seventy seven. The title of the post is Pit to the SEC. He says, has anyone heard this from a pit source? I live in East Tennessee near Knoxville, and a guy stopped and talked to me at a grocery store. He had a UT hoodie, and I was wearing a pit hoodie. We talked about the Johnny Major Classic Games, and he started telling me that UT is pushing the SEC to add pit if and when they expand. UT loved the games, and they had a blast in Pittsburgh and how the fan base wants Pittsburgh to be a regular road trip. He said that a radio station in Knoxville was talking about this the other day. I Googled it, and I did see that both the Tennessee and the Knoxville Sentinel both had articles about this. Did anyone hear anything about this? So we got two things here. We got source level, man in grocery store in UT hoodie. <laughs> and we've got pit to the SEC. Yeah. Typically, that's a hard one to believe. Put to the SEC is hard to believe until I see that it comes from man in grocery store in UT hoodie. <laughs> and they could call it the Nathan Peterman classic as well now. Oh, yeah. Nathan Peterman. <laughs> is that guy still hanging around the NFL? He, he did. That's the important thing. Yeah, that's true. Not a hung around had the opportunity to throw five interceptions in a game. Yeah, he made a mark at yeah. least when he was there. His he dad had to have known somebody in the NFL. He had his parents had to have some sort of pull with somebody inside the NFL. <laughs> Nate Peterman to continue to get jobs. I guess they don't put do those tight end screen passes in the NFL the way they did at Pitt when they beat Clemson on the in 2015. <laughs> But he threw for like 480, and, and there was all these little shovel passes to the tight end that <laughs> Clemson could not stop. I mean, I could get on board with Pitt in the SEC, though. I feel like it's it's a it's a closer cultural fit than they might be willing to to fully acknowledge, right? Like Pittsburgh as a as a like outlier, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing if they were looking to expand and create a little fortress in what might be otherwise considered Big Ten territory. And Pitt's always been a weird fit in the ACC. You know, like all the, I feel like all the schools that got added in the last, I don't know, I can't even keep, keep track of when, you know, different schools joined, but Pitt and Boston College, all those schools always seem like a weird fit. My favorite response, though, to this post, I think it was a Penn State fan, his uh, username is Powers of PSU. He said, Adding Pitt is like getting another Vandy without the academic excellence. <laughs> oh, that's that's a little bit harsh. Jonas Salk worked at Pitt. Jonas Salk did for real? Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, the <laughs> SEC might not be the most friendly towards vaccines, sure. But... <laughs> <laughs> that's a polio vaccine. Like, we can't politicize that. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's a good point. I never realized, honestly, I never realized how, what a big rivalry Pitt Penn State is in terms of how badly those two fan bases hate each other until I until I started doing this. That seems like a pretty intense rivalry. I don't think they play very often anymore, but there seems to be some pretty bad feelings between those two fan bases. Which is weird because geographically, like Pittsburgh and, and Philadelphia hate each other, but they are literally yin and yang on the on the map. I mean, one is right. way up northwest, way, one's way southeast. And Penn State is kind of out 80 in the middle of nowhere, and Pittsburgh's a city, so that, I, I guess it's just in-state rivalry, but... Pittsburgh's a city. Do you guys ever watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? That that just reminds me. They don't there's make a, It's Always Sunny in Pittsburgh, do they? There's a character on there, Charlie. Right. Charlie, a character on there, I can't figure out how Philadelphia and Pittsburgh are in the same state. Just... <laughs> By the way, speaking of Pitt, did, did you, this is totally off topic, but did you all see the, the Pitt women's lax? post oh <laughs> so it was it was a picture of the girl the woman who scored and it said what's that smell it's a jill finnick stanky leg after her first goal of the season but the hook was it's a picture of her along with the referee from the game who had here's your bleep casey down her leg during the game <laughs> so it's the pit women's lax account literally trolling this ref in the women's lax game who shat herself during the game so it's not just gotta, the words that are unhinged it's you gotta admire that too. that's dedication for staying out there like i know me i would have ran the heck off the field and said they did they did crop her face out so that was nice but yeah. still that's that was a rough look <laughs> all right so we're gonna stay in the the ACC, and I just kind of want to talk about rivalries, and you guys know a heck of a lot more about this one than I do, but there was a post. It was kind of a rough week for Duke. That's a shame. Yeah, and I figured you guys would really be heartbroken over this. So there was this post. It's kind of a long post. I only want to read like the first couple sentences of it and get your reactions to this. Poster TSP85 on the Devil's Den. And he says, the reason I dislike the senior citizens playing for UNC is the arrogance they have. They have accomplished nothing in their careers other than beating K in the final four. How does that sit with y'all coming from a Duke fan? Oh, I remember where I was when I saw Coach K uh, lose the final <laughs> game. It was a great day. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not specifically tied to Carolina. I'm, you know, happy Clemson finally beat Carolina. But yeah, it's always a great day when Coach K loses. Wow. So just to steer this back into the storming the court dialogue as well. Like I, I grew up in Winston Salem, and like I've worked, I've worked security around like Wake Forest events, and if you are letting a Wake Forest kid injure you, I mean <laughs> you are soft. Like once you get into the, you're not going to be able to crash the boards against Xavier in in the tournament if you are letting some doctor's kid from Connecticut who's probably majoring in like how to make financial derivatives out of like apartment rentals or something like that. I know these Wake Forest kids. My parents went to Wake Forest Law School. Like I know them. They are soft. They are baby soft. 
Uh, <laughs> if you are letting that injure your star player, what are you even doing? Um, <laughs> you know, I also like I also was a little bit disappointed because ESPN like ESPN goes into that game and they have Coach K's son-in-law calling the game on ESPN, and it's like okay. You know, like this becomes a narrative because somebody has a reaction to it, you know, and then it's narrative upon narrative. And it's, you know. Who's the softest team in the ACC, or who's the softest fan base in the ACC? Softest. I That's mean, a great it's, question. Okay, so I'm not going to call out my own. So, <laughs> well, uh, what we, we might be in the running. Casey and Skip both want to say Virginia. I feel, <laughs> but they they don't no, want to hurt I, your feelings. Who's <laughs> No, it, it's like it's a path of like the problem that most people have with Duke, right? Is that Duke is is you know notorious for the Cameron crazies, right? Like they're able to dish it out and they're so witty and you know all this stuff. But the second that you you know accidentally step on a guy's ankle when you're st- storming the court, then all of a sudden you want to ban the fun for everybody. I mean. Yeah. Or that to me or is they don't get a call. Like they didn't get right. a call in the Virginia game a year ago. And there were so many accounts saying, Oh, well, we really won the ACC because that should have been a foul, or no, I can't even remember if it was a no call or foul. But I'm like, you've gotten every call for the last 30 years. You know, there's one 50-50 call you don't get, and they lost their minds. And going back to this post, this guy where he says, um, other than beating K in the final four, that's doing a lot of work in this. <laughs> post here right I mean, that was coach k's last game it's probably the biggest game in the history of that rivalry and and i'm sticking up for carolina which is not easy to do but that's a right. huge win for carolina to, yeah. to and the other thing here they're complaining about like all the old players on carolina ryan young i'm pretty sure is older than anybody on carolina i mean he's he's a COVID guy he was at northwestern right for like three years so mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's there's all kinds of I mean, basically, any Duke post is guaranteed to piss me off. So, so it's not. Hey, I, I went to Clemson. I have a question. What's the final four that you speak of? <laughs> Listen. Also, the the correct answer is now the Cal Golden Bears. I mean, those guys are you know. Oh, that's right. Uh, I forget. I forget I about forgetting. I would probably agree with you there. Plus, they're the new guys, so you can do that. You can say that. Yeah. Exactly. Right. right. All right, Clemson guys, we got another post for you. Where's it from? Where's it from? It's from Clemson, TigerNet. I don't know. This might be Lawrence's tag. I don't know. It's Tito, T-E-D-O-514. Is that you, Lawrence? That's not me. Oh, man. (laughs) Dang it. I thought for sure it was going to be you. So (laughs) this guy, he says, the title of this post is Dabo Swinney for President 2028. Mm Mm-hmm. Then he says, this is an absolute serious question. I already know BS is coming, but for real, Tiger Netters, is that a dumb question? First of is all, that- on Tiger Net, Brad, BS might stand for Brad Scott. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just yeah. in terms of like getting you familiar with a Tiger Net lingo. Um, Wouldn't it be CBS, though? Or is that just oh, the TV station? Mm, I don't know. CBS is where they show Blue Bloods. Um, okay, so here's not to go all Steve Kornacki on you, but my my legitimate answer on this is I don't think Dabo has the votes to carry. Like we're talking like Walter Mondale territory if Dabo <laughs> ran for president. 
This is what's Tedo, good. Four old guys hanging out can laugh at a yeah. <laughs> Tedo doesn't understand that like Dabo only works in a certain corner of the upstate of South Carolina. That's the only base of popularity that he has. And Dabo would be so supremely unpopular that he would lose Alabama. Uh, you know, you would see, uh, you know, this is just assuming that Dabo might run for a certain particular party. I'm not trying to politicize college football. Uh, but, you know, you, you would see Alabama flip in that instance. Um, what happens if he grabs Saban as his vice president, though? It, why would Nick Saban do that? Yeah. Why? That's true. That's true. Here's, here's my, like, there's, there's only one way for Dabo Swimming to become president. Yeah. And that is, you know, House of Cards takes place in Gaffney as the, the district, right? In which Frank Underwood, played by Kevin Spacey, may he rest in peace, um, <laughs> it opens in front of the Peachoid in Gaffney, and so if you remade, if you remade House of Cards with Dabo Swinney in it as the, if you got him elected to the House and then somehow engineered it so that he became Speaker of the House and then got the Vice President impeached, uh... right? And I feel like in the later seasons, I don't remember all. Of it. In this case, there are two things. One, uh, Grace Rayner better like not go on any subways because i feel a spoiler alert if you haven't seen this <laughs> it's not good um secondly i feel like the wife in that winds up becoming the president so eventually we would see like kathleen sweeney becoming president of the united states in the later seasons after kevin spacey playing Davo sweeney gets canceled well we do, do know think- that Kathleen is known as like the ace recruiter in the family. Sure. So maybe yeah. maybe that's maybe that's a good the thing. Power the behind the throne. The other <laughs> thing I think as well, too, like if you want if you want coaches from South Carolina to be involved in national politics in a way that would benefit Clemson, I would suggest Dawn Staley. Um, let's get her out of Columbia, you know. But she's <laughs> she's got roots in DC. Let her go run the country. Yeah. You know? I mean go back to Virginia. Yeah. I played pickup since we were talking about pickup against Dawn Staley in college. Luckily, I was not guarding her, but she just destroyed the team that I was playing on. Her and Tammy Reese. She was the real deal back then. Yeah, those Virginia teams are great. Why yeah. is she in Columbia? I don't know. Uh, well, there's a there's a long backstory, but yeah, every, right. everybody's very unhappy about it at UVA. So right, get her, get her to run for president. There you yeah. go. And Clemson can benefit by returning to the best women's basketball program in the state of South Carolina. Win-win. Which wasn't saying much back in the day when Coach Jim Davis was there. Right, but we still were better than them. Yeah. Ituro Umo. What what current head coach would have the best chance of winning presidency? We've had someone earlier in the year, or last year, I guess it was, suggest Dion. Uh, mm. President, he was the going to be the Manchurian candidate, but outside of Dabo, who would it be? In college, I'm, I mean, I'm going to say Dan Lanning because I just feel like he's got in like he understands enough how to use social media in a way. He's you know they drop sick hype videos. You know, Dan Lanning could take out could take out Dion with a you know with a speech. A, a Dan Lanning stump speech would get people worked up. <laughs> what about Mark Mangino? No. <laughs> Current Mangino. Mangino is more. He did that on purpose. MBG. Yeah. Mangino, I feel like 
it's, I mean, Mangino needs to be more in like a royal sense. There needs to be some sort of like apparatus of state that, that like we need like coronation ceremony for Mark Mangino. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I always thought Harbaugh would have been good at it. He seems like he's got the, he's, he seems like he'd be a politician, maybe a weird one, but well, he would have been my, my bet. All right. All right, you play video games? Um, All right. Yes, I do. I actually, like, I'm excited for NCAA 25. Is that what they're calling? Yeah, 25. I almost lost uh, a job because of NCAA 2006. <laughs> uh, Casey and I have a mutual friend who I was roommates with in Chicago, and we would play Dynasties on NCAA 2006 and I would play Clemson and Mike would play Rutgers and Rutgers then suddenly got an invite to the ACC. Now I bought a house in Chicago. I bought a townhouse and we were living there and I was working as a sommelier in a restaurant. So, you know, I did what you do. I had a housewarming party and, um, just let's go, let me take a step back and say NCAA 2006, had a feature where you could write the signs, you could customize the signs that were held up after individual plays. And uh, so Mike and I told each other, you know, we're gonna write the sign. So I would write Mike's signs and Mike would write my signs. And it would just be like a little indicator. We were 26, 27 years old. We were not mature. Um, so we wrote some pretty awful things on these things, things that would very easily get us canceled. Um, but, you know, they were funny to us at the time. And we implanted these in the game and, you know, you would sack would show up and it would talk about Lou Holtz or it would talk about people that we knew doing, you know, Lou Holtz things. Just Lou, the word Lou Holtz is, you know, disgusting. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, yeah, the at the house party, the chef at the restaurant came over and he brought a bottle, you know, he's a, a fancy French chef. He brought me a bottle of Veuve Clicquot champagne. And he was like, here, you know, welcome to this. I'm like, thanks. This is awesome. He brought his, at the time, like eight-year-old son. And the eight-year-old son is like, hey, what can I do, you know, at this house party where a bunch of grown-ups are hanging out? Oh, you got a PlayStation 2. That's awesome. Let me go and, you know, hook it up. So he starts playing NCAA football and he's playing under my profile, which, you know, Mike has written the signs for. And Ooh. he sees, I see one of the signs show up and I like drop, like my jaw drops. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> uh, and other people are obviously seeing this and they're like, what, what was that? And um, so we won't, that won't be mentioned what was said on that. But I was like, here, let me fix this for you. So I like all you have to do in that case is like turn the profile off and that will shut off the signs showing up. One of the signs that like could have shown up was the name of the chef pours. If you have to bleep that <laughs> on everything. And I was like, if that had just shown up, I would have, you know, I would have had to have resigned. And you know, I really respected the chef too. Like he brought me vocally co, he was good. Mike knew that I respected the chef, but for the chef to see his name 
in a college football stadium in NCAA 2006. I just don't know if I could have recovered from that. It's tough to come so, back. From that. Yeah. No, you probably would have had the house on the market the next day. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which this was 2007, which, you know, is not the best time to like be involved in real estate. So <laughs> I'm very excited for NCAA 2025. Oh, I didn't know um, that they had that feature you could write a sign. So hopefully they have it on the, yeah. on the next one, which would make it a little more realistic. So there was a post on the SEC rant uh, talking about this, and the poster says, rumor is EA Sports College Football 25 is so realistic, Georgia Bulldog players can get DUIs and are still able to suit up and play. Wow. So my question is, is what realistic features would you all like to see in that game that would make it more realistic? I mean, if, if we're talking Georgia, it's got to be scooters, right? You got to crash a scooter as a Georgia player. <laughs> and I mean, you know, we shouldn't joke about Georgia. It's... I mean, you could have McDonald's bags, mustard bottles, right? Yeah, we need the mustard bottles at Tennessee. Oh, I forgot about Bur burner phones and yeah, escorts. Yeah, yeah. Batteries at South Carolina. Yeah, like Lane Kiffin needs to be a playable character within this like you that, have to, actually that would be awesome i would love to play lane <laughs> in the new game that would be cool as hell and lane's, lane's twitter, twitter account play yeah. with lane's you're twitter. in control of lane's twitter account right. That's gonna... <laughs> who do you dm <laughs> this game's gonna be disappointing right because there's so much build up to it like it's probably going to be awesome but it, people are going to be disappointed because there's so much build up I know what would make it not disappointing. If you could play like BYU on dynasty level and just have all the celebrities come on the sideline, like Ken Jennings, <laughs> Matt Romney, David Archuleta, you know, you could just kind of pick who comes and stands on the sideline during the game. Don't sleep it on Archuleta. Like Archuleta, yeah. <laughs> it was it Stephanie Myers? Was that the other one that they talked yeah, about? Oh, yeah. 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 That would make it much more playable. Yeah. So, and MBG didn't wasn't there somebody who was saying that you should be in the game somehow? I see a post about that. Oh, they should have message boards on there. Yeah. I mean, there why would go. you not have like fan meltdowns on message boards and <laughs> uh, people calling for you to be fired? You know, fine bomb needs to be on it too. Oh yeah. Oh no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Well, that's all I brought for message boards. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, Lawrence. I keep wanting to say skip because I know oh, either one is fine. Yeah, so I think I've called you both uh, Lawrence and Skip throughout the show. So um, I, I switched to Lawrence when I, I started to do professional stuff. Oh yeah, and then everybody was like, "Oh yeah, you're Uncle Skip," because you know that's what my niece knows me as. So I answer I answer to pretty much everything. You're the first Jeopardy champion we've ever had on this podcast. Absolutely. Until, until you know, so who? I mean, you know, who's gonna who's gonna go on from here? Okay, is Joy gonna go on? If she keeps reading the books, Joy might go on. Yeah, Joy's we, probably our best bet. Let's be honest. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I stopped learning like twenty years ago. So, yeah. Yeah. MBG doesn't read. So, how's he <laughs> learning? I, I ain't no nerd. <laughs> <laughs> But oh, as catchphrase with, with Jeopardy message boards, I definitely feel like you could get into um, because I, I think that they have like you do have people that consider themselves like actual geniuses. And but they, what do they, they talk about on there? 
Okay, so like the way, like there was a big, when Mayim Bialik was hosting, like one of the big topics was the fact that Mayim Bialik said um, single jeopardy in referring to the first round. You know, like if she keeps saying single jeopardy, I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch it. There's, there's a big like hagiography around Alex Trebek, which is, you know, Alex is great. Alex, you know, but I also like think that ten, people tend to view him as, as a, as a saintly figure in this right. world. And I'm much more interested. I don't know if you've ever heard the Longmont Potion Castle prank calls to Alex Trebek, where Longmont Potion Castle called Alex Trebek pretending to have a truckload of sod that he was delivering like 42 tons of sod, 4,200 pounds of sod that he was delivering to Alex Trebek in the middle of the night. And he gets Alex Trebek on the phone and Alex Trebek treats him completely earnestly as if he is, you know, he just refuses to hang up on him because he's talking to this guy who says he's from UPS and he's delivering sod in the middle of the night. Um, it's a fascinating phone call, but I'm also like, you're Alex Trebek. Like, don't you have better things to do than talk on the phone to people that are obviously like thanking you and, and jerking you around. And clearly Alex Trebek did not. So, I mean, <laughs> Uh, I prefer to view Alex in that term as the person who was like so earnest with prank callers and would just talk to people. And <laughs> like, I, I tend to think that that's more interesting than the idea of like, oh, Alex was, you know, this patron saint of Jeopardy. Sure. Yeah. He was great. Uh, but also he, you know, could stay on a prank call and make it hilarious and for you know, seven minutes it says on the, it, on the, oh, it's fantastic. This, this call, if anybody has not up. heard this I, call. There are calls where Longmont Potion Castle patches him through to like Jose Canseco. So you're listening to a conversation <laughs> between Jose Canseco and Alex Trebek. And you know, this is who there's one with Alex Trebek and Jeremy Piven. And you know, at some point Alex Trebek is like, who is this? And he's like, This is Jeremy Piven. <laughs> so, so you're saying this is a rabbit hole that we can very easily go down very very easily go down and i feel like We're it looking will give for content you, right right it's, it's not like it's not the the thing of like oh here's this here's this like saintly person who hosted a, a tv show for a long time which is what he did he hosted a tv show for a long time mm -hmm. um but you know anytime that you're dealing with these people you know certainly after the age of of joe paterno and or Tabo sweeney like we can get past the like idea that these are somehow like great men and put them in the context of like they're humans, they're doing human things. And that can be funny and it can be hilarious and it can be wonderful. And uh, you know, for me, that's that's a more human portrait of Alex. And it like it doesn't it doesn't take away from my love from him that Alex Trebek would explain carefully explain to a man from UPS that the sod that he's getting from Siam, that Siam is not in fact a country anymore. <laughs> yeah. It is now in fact Thailand. <laughs> if you, you know. He's giving him notes on his prank call. Right, exactly. But that's you know, that's that's the genius of Longmont Potion Castle. Skipper, social media, let us let the people know where they can find you. Uh they can find me by getting a colonoscopy. Um we're all you know older now. I'm off social media. Um Here's what I'll say. You know, I, uh, Jason Kirk was on recently. Uh, Jason Kirk has a fantastic book. You know, if you've already bought the book, if you buy another copy, I heard that there's a chapter that's about me. 
that's you know in the paperback version. So if you can't find it, you might just need to buy another copy. Um, okay. Same with Claire McNear. Claire McNear wrote a book about Jeopardy. Um, she's a dear friend of mine. If you want a Jeopardy journalist, she was also at SB Nation for a while. She wrote a book about Jeopardy. Uh, if you buy that book, that's great. Um, any book that you want to sell, I'm in a chapter that you want to find out about it. Sure. Uh, let's plug awesome. it up. I'm in all the books. Every character is about me. Um, you never know when there's a Mossad agent on the other end of the line. Are you say enjoy reads. Really, she's just reading about you. In all. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what Joy reads. We can talk about that. You know, she didn't. Obviously, I'm not important enough for Joy to come on. But, you know, we can talk about Mike Elko. We can talk about books. You know, all this stuff. I was prepared for it, and you know. Yeah. Now you got to okay. rip those papers up. Yeah. So, read about me in books. Insert me into your favorite. You know, fanfic. Post about me on your message boards. I'm I'm everywhere and nowhere. If you want to reach me. Just call Casey, and Casey knows how to get in touch with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thanks. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming for on, guys. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this week's episode, the MBG Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. You can check out more content at messageboardgeniuses.com. And we'll see you next time, losers. Losers. <laughs>